Welcome to the future. You're listening to the Consensus Network. Consensus Network. Consensus Network. With Buck Joffrey. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with Consensus Network. And yes, we have another show this week. I know we haven't been doing them regularly, but uh, I think you're going to enjoy this one. So, you know, there's we've been doing a lot of these shows lately where, you know, we, we've talked to Bitcoin maximalists. Now, what is a Bitcoin maximalist? Bitcoin maximalist basically believes for the most part, that everything outside of Bitcoin is complete BS and is a quote-unquote shitcoin. Uh, of course, do I believe that? Not really. I actually don't think we're... Uh, I don't think it's quite that cut and dry. Well, I do believe that there are way too many projects out there, just the same way that there was way too many dot-coms in the dot-com boom of the late 90s, I also think that there is some quality projects out there that require or significantly benefit from blockchain and have tokenized in some way, shape, or form that actually makes sense. Uh, One of those that I have mentioned sort of in passing or in, you know, some of the webinars that I've done, etc., is a project called uh, Power Ledger, which is based uh, out of Australia. And uh, I've been wanting to learn more about this. And so we're lucky enough to have one of the co-founders of Power Ledger on the show. And when we come back, uh, we will talk to her all about it. Now, there isn't much more exciting than cryptocurrency, but there are old-fashioned ways of creating wealth outside of Wall Street that have been used by the wealthiest families in the world for generations. And that's what my other podcast is all about. It's called Wealth Formula Podcast. Now, if you've made a lot of money in crypto and don't know what to do next, this show might actually answer a lot of those questions, too. Again, it's Wealth Formula Podcast with me, Buck Joffrey. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Consensus Network is Gemma Green, who's the co-founder and chair of Power Ledger, which is a blockchain project in Australia that focuses on electricity. I've mentioned it on this program before as an example of you know, potential uses of blockchain. Gemma, welcome to the program. G'day, Buck. I love that. G'day. So obviously, Gemma, you are talking to me from Australia. Most of our audience is in the U.S. So uh, we we are uh, we are completely around the world. It's fantastic to have this technology uh, that we do that 20, 30 years ago, people would never believe we could do. Right. Oh, it is amazing. I, I mean, lots of people kind of think that traveling on airplanes is is, um, you know, n- not a very exciting thing, but sometimes I sit in the plane still and go, wow, it's pretty insane that we're up in the air. And, you know, right now we're on air. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And the reason in part I bring that up is because of the fact that I think blockchain reflects one of those potential inflections within technological, um, you know, times that we're going to look back and say, well, what was stuff like before this all occurred? But let, before we get to that, let's let's talk a little bit about your background. Um, you come from a little bit of an energy background, right? Um, 
how'd you go from that to blockchain? Well, my background uh, was actually in investment banking for about 11 years in London. Uh, and half of that was spent looking at in, like environmental risk, like looking at the banks, lending and financing activities in developing countries. And energy was a component of that. But I returned to Australia in 2012 and did a PhD in electricity market disruption. And it was applied research. And in that, I designed a solar and battery system for an apartment building or a condo, as it's called in the US. Um, but I was struggling to find software that could create a trading environment within the apartment building. So each condo was allocated some electricity and if you weren't home to consume that, you could trade it with your neighbours. And wow. by chance, a former banking colleague of mine introduced me to these two blockchain guys in Perth and they came to my house when I just had my first child seven weeks earlier and I got my mum around to hold the baby while I chatted with them. And honestly, I was so confused with when they were telling me about this blockchain thing and uh, it was this was in um, tw uh, January of 2016. And... You know, I just thought it was a science fiction, but subsequent to the meeting, I started looking online and saw that there were applications using blockchain in the electricity sector. And in fact, it could do what I had hoped for in my a condo project. And I introduced the blockchain guys to Dave Martin, one of my fellow co-founders, and he had worked in the grid businesses, uh, poles and wires for two decades. And he had seen this interesting thing happening in the networks businesses, which was let the network was being used less because of distributed renewables. And uh, that in talking to the blockchain guys, he, he saw that the blockchain could create a transactive grid and in doing so maintain the use of the grid and therefore its relevance. And he said, I want to set up a company. Do you want to join me? And I said, yes. And so that was basically how PowerLedger was set up and, and my background le leading into it. And so that was um, until John, 2016. Yeah. So we formed PowerLedger in May 2016. So we're turning three in May this year. And before that time, had you ever heard of anything like Bitcoin or anything like, I mean, or was this completely out of the blue for you? I had heard of uh, Bitcoin uh, only in the notional sense of, you know, that it was a, a, a currency, a bit like my mom had heard of it at the time. So <laughs> it, <laughs> it was a bit of a baptism of fire. And, you know, truthfully, I didn't understand the full depth and breadth of the, the technology when we set up the company. And I discover more parts of its capability every day. Uh, and the, the real power of it. And so I have a far more considered view of the potential of it in the context of electricity and carbon markets now than I did two and a half years ago. So, you know, one of the things that you and I have kind of talked about a little bit offline, and it was getting too interesting to take, on, you know, completely offline, was, you know, I've had a number of people on this show who are um, what I would call Bitcoin purists, and they call everything else, you know, shit coins. And um, I'm not in that camp. I mean, I do think there is a lot of bad projects out there. But um, tell us, uh, you know, we can, we can discuss. We don't necessarily have to go into that discussion per se, but tell us how Power Ledger solves an inefficiency in the current paradigm that makes blockchain specifically valuable um, in this space. Because as you and I discussed, 
I mean, people are blockchainifying things left and right, you know, where they don't need to be because it makes it more interesting for investors. And I read somewhere that there was 12 publicly traded companies that added blockchain to their name and it led to a standard deviation increase in their stock prices. So tell us about your company, why blockchain is an integral part of that and how it works. Yeah. So um, I wrote an article uh, for Mickey on, it's called How Blockchain Can Change Energy Markets Forever. And I wrote that because there were several, um, like many questions about why do you need the blockchain? Why can't you use a relational database? What, do, you know, what benefit does it provide? Um, and um, I'll just unpack some of that in summary for you. So in terms of energy trade, so our technology enables three things, electricity trading, energy asset financing and carbon markets. And in the first category, energy trading, our technology means that, you know, everyday people can sell their surplus solar electricity from their roofs with their neighbours. Um, but the benefit of the blockchain is that you can have cross-retailer trading. So if you've got two energy companies and their customers are, are allowed to trade peer-to-peer, -peer, using the blockchain, they can trade with each other. Um, further, uh, a customer may actually trade with the other customer's retailer as well uh, in dispatching battery-sourced electricity to the grid in the peak and help the retailer buy electricity at a cheaper price than they would in the wholesale electricity market. And essentially what the blockchain provides in this environment is a level of sophistication that means households can contribute to um, the supply of electricity in a meaningful way. And we all know supply and demand economics, if you add more supply, you, you know, drive down cost. And it also means that the household can get an enhanced return on their investment in something like a, a household battery. So this is really, uh, is this really driven um, by the notion of people using solar panels and other renewable energy sources, and then they have excess that they can then sell to the grid? Is that effectively? Yeah. So yeah. they could trade with their neighbours that don't have solar panels that want to buy renewable energy, or they could trade with their own energy company and sell electricity or what's called ancillary services. So this is frequency control and capacity um, that the energy company needs to buy, but they could buy it from their customers as opposed to in the wholesale market. And why this is interesting, so for example, uh, last week in Australia on the East Coast, the electricity prices went to their absolute maximum that they can go to, which is $14,500 a megawatt hour or $145 a kilowatt hour. Um, to put that into context, it typically trades around $0.10 cents a kilowatt hour. Oh, wow. Um, Jeez. Yeah. And if uh, an energy company um, was not hedged in that situation, they would be spending a lot of money supplying their customers with electricity on that that, that, that day. And we've seen in the past it, uh, companies go bust when this has happened. And we have as many as eight or ten of these incidents a year. Not always as high as that, but they are very expensive for, for the energy companies. And the proposition here is that the customer can dispatch electricity from its battery or turn off load in its house um, and help the energy company and receive a payment 
that it was perhaps half as much as what the energy company would have to buy. So it helps the energy company reduce its risk and its cost. And it provides an enhanced return for consumers. So, you know, broadly speaking, I think we can build using the blockchain an economic framework and a marketplace where solar and batteries are incentivized to keep supporting the overarching energy system rather than defecting from the grid altogether and supplying just their own energy needs. And I think this will keep the costs down of the grid because the grid is being used and uh, it keeps the customers happy. Um, so that's really the, I think, the opportunity for the blockchain in the electricity so market sense. Why, if we can do this, if we can do this in a peer-to-peer -peer way, why do we even need the utility companies anymore? Why can't well, we just energy, have a platform? Energy, well, I mean, technology using the technology, it's you know conceivable that it wouldn't it wouldn't be required. But I, I think, well, firstly, the regulation requires retailers to be a part of that transaction. And I think there's some good reasons for that because they are regulated and that it means that the customer is protected. So there's consumer protection laws which ensure that the, you know, the consumer is, is taken care of and not ripped off. So I think there's very good reasons for that. And that's why our technology is about partnering with retailers um, to help them uh, get more customers, keep their customers, reduce their cost and reduce their risk. And in, in the process for individuals who are um, who are creating renewable energies, for example, it gives them an opportunity to sell uh, as well. So correct. Let's talk about the um, so now. Obviously, you know, uh, Power Ledger has a token associated with it, and yes, and, may, but maybe I could just finish. Quickly yeah, go ahead. Talking about the carbon and the energy. Yes, please, financing. please. Yeah. So, um, energy asset financing is a product called Asset Germination that we're launching this year. And this is going to be a security token. And it means that everyday people can invest in and co-own energy assets, like a solar farm or a wind farm or a battery. And till now, they've been locked out of the ability to do that because it's been the domain of sophisticated investors. And if they have been able to invest, it's been very illiquid. It's not been tradable. So we're tokenizing the asset, fractionalizing it on the blockchain. And um, in doing so, increasing the pools of capital that could fund these kinds of assets, recognizing that the International Renewable Energy Agency, IRENA, has said that investment in renewables needs to be scaled up six times faster for the world to meet the Paris climate goals. So we've pioneered the product to help with that. And I think the issuance and tracking, or in terms of the um, financing of uh, assets on the blockchain, I think the this increases the amount of buyers that can purchase these assets. There can be smaller increments of capital allocated to it. And uh, I think there's also issuance and management cost efficiencies using the blockchain as the asset register and the income register, and it will reduce the incidence of mistakes and fraud. And in tokenizing it, it becomes tradable on an exchange. So it becomes a liquid asset that can have fast settlement associated with it. So that's the energy asset financing bit. And just the final piece of our um, technology offering is around carbon markets. And the issuance and tracking of carbon credits is a very time-consuming process. And using the blockchain, 
it's possible to connect to a smart meter and write the um, uh, energy generation data and the carbon to the blockchain. And we've actually delivered a project doing that in California, working with Silicon Valley Power for the low carbon fuel standard credit. Uh, so it's automating the process to request that the regulator issues the credit. Um, but moreover, I think there's opportunities in tokenizing carbon credits, which will make them tradable uh, in and the price more liquid uh, and the process around transacting them more efficient because currently trading carbon credits is often an over-the-counter transaction. What that means is it, it, there isn't an exchange where you just load up your credits. You've got to find an aggregator who'll buy them from you and you've got to then find a broker who'll sell them on your behalf. And that is a very lengthy and time-consuming process. So I think that that the potential of the blockchain in the carbon markets is really unlocking the potential of having an efficient, transparent and liquid market. So let's talk about the token. Which does it represent or does it represent all of these three so parts? The, we, we issued the power token in October of 2017 and the power token is a license for uh, application hosts to offer their customers peer-to-peer -peer trading for application hosts to use the platform to issue carbon credits uh, and uh, the other services that we provide, such as um, virtual power plant and electric vehicle charging. So the power token is a license to use the software and the platform. And the, um, the, you need more power tokens, the more um, the platform is used. So the greater the volume of electricity that's transacted, the more power tokens are required to be put in escrow which ultimately constrains the supply and would determine the price. And we released this week, actually, our first power token um, escrow report, which shows today how many power tokens have been uh, escrowed um, and showing how we're building out the business. And how, how is that looking? Uh, I'm really delighted with where we're at so far. I mean, we've made a commercial decision to really pursue uh, – as many projects as possible in markets where we see there's opportunity for scale and commercialization. So the first projects that we have are fairly um, small scale. Uh, they're proof of concept, they're going very well. And the um, plan is, and the, what we're seeing is happening is that they're beginning to scale. So as an example, in Thailand, we're currently trading peer to peer in Bangkok, about 670 kilowatts of installed solar. But in quarter one this year, that will grow by four megawatts and in quarter two, another 12 megawatts. Um, so we're starting to see that scale. But where we're at right now with um, more proof of concepts and our first commercial trials, we've escrowed over half a million power tokens. The, the tokens themselves don't necessarily provide a transfer of the energy, or do they? No. Um, so we have a twin token system. Uh, we have the power token, which is a license to use the platform. And then we have what's called sparks. And sparks are a tokenized unit of electricity. Think like phone minutes for electricity. Right. And Or a stable coin. So one spark is one cent or the lowest current denomination in a particular currency. So customers don't interact with cryptocurrency at all. The Spark is actually a cryptographic token. And uh, a customer that wants to trade peer-to-peer -peer will 
put load up a dollar on the platform, they'll receive 100 sparks. They can trade those. And if they offer 100 sparks, they get a dollar back. And so it's just like a digital wallet um, that the customer is interacting with. And, and in practice, like how would that, I mean, how do you hook that up to the grid? So you get, you know, so you get that kind of electricity from your home if you're buying sparks. Great question so we are doing peer-to-peer trading already in perth we're working with um the network company and the energy retailer here we have a project in the u.s with american power network one in japan working with ketco in uh supporting the creation of a virtual power plant in osaka and i mentioned the one in thailand so we've got four on the go right now and um, our technology connects to smart meters to read the amount of energy that is spilled out um, across the network from people with solar panels. That's what we call a prosumer versus consumers that don't have solar panels that are consuming electricity. And that forms the basis of an uh, entry on the, the blockchain, the, i.e. the transaction, and then the payment of sparks associated with that. Got it. And so that's, that's how the, the technology works and how the transaction and the settlement occurs. Okay. Got it. So in, in terms of the going back to the power, um, you know, the, the power token itself, mm. how how does a token go up and down in price? And furthermore, is it, I guess as a corollary to that, what mm. does it mean right now when uniformly, you know, prices and everything are down? Like, what is that even... What does that mean to the business model? That's a great question, Buck. So if you look at um, uh, the market overall, it's not that dissimilar to what happened during the tech stock boom of the millennium. And a lot of value was ascribed to companies based on ideas. And in some cases, you know, those ideas were not really fleshed out. Um, in, In our case, you know, we set up the company before that whole ICO craze started. We had developed a platform, we had an app, application, and we had deployed our product uh, in two instances in New Zealand and south of Perth. And I think that's something that differentiated us to others in the market who had a, a, just a concept and um, hadn't developed the product, the platform, or projects. Uh, um, but you know, that most of the value that you've seen in the market um, was based on speculation to date. Yep. Uh, but I think that the market now is having an expectation of uh, use, use case for the dApps. So um, you, in our case, users, kilowatt hours traded, carbon traded on the platform, and that's certainly our focus for 2019. And our the power token has performed consistent with the market. Right. Whereas other energy blockchain companies are trading at, you know, significantly below the issuance price. Ours is currently trading at the issuance price. Uh, And it did go up and down along with the market. But I think that the fact that we're still sitting in the coin market cap top 100 and we have more projects deployed than the other companies out there shows that there is some confidence in our ability to deliver scale and commercialization. And that's certainly something that we're very focused on for 2019. A lot is made in, you know, this world, the blockchain world of, of the notion of decentralization. And, um, 
to me, what you're talking about is uh, this. It, this is more hybrid, right? I mean, there is a company behind this, which is Power Ledger, that's providing this um, more efficient vehicle. Is that is that accurate to say that it's it's not completely a decentralized? No, I I don't think that it. We're not advertising that, and uh, I think that there's a lot of people that. Uh, libertarians that are you know aspiring to that world it's not something that i i think is the, necessarily the right thing i think that there's a role for regulation mm. that there's plenty of bad actors in the blockchain space sure. and uh th there is good reason to have a uh, regulation and i think that utopic idea that some people uh, spruik is not something that i ascribe to no, I get it. I totally get it. And 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 the point I make there in part is that, you know, I I always talk about this in that in that the, you know, the purists, the Bitcoin purists, and and you know some of the true ideologues when it comes to blockchain really are so sold on this notion of complete decentralization. But the reality is that that may not be congruous with reality, which is what people really want is a better way of doing things. And it, it, it may be more clunky to have it completely decentralized than to have a, uh, some sort of centralized government, you know, governance system. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I wrote an article in Forbes. I'm a contributor there um, about the fact that, you know, a smart contract could never be perfectly articulated. And the idea that, that you would have contemplated every potential eventuality in the contract um, is impossible. And, you know, there's Nobel, Prize, Nobel Prizes have been awarded to people that have actually made that statement, that it's impossible to have a perfect contract. Right. So... That I think that it's an idea that will maybe lead us to innovate and, as you say, make things more efficient and better, but I don't think it's ultimately where we'll end up. Right, right. Um, how does Power Ledger as a company make money? Great question. So um, it depends on the business. So I'll just talk you through the three areas. So for energy trading, um, we have a, a fixed fee uh, based on the amount of connections, plus we take a small clip on the ticket for the amount of energy that's traded. In terms of energy asset financing, we have a uh, management fee uh, based on the amount of money that's issued on the platform. So if a solar asset is worth $50 million, we charge a small fee based on the size of the um, asset uh, on an annual basis. And then for the carbon markets products, it's based on the dollar value of the carbon uh, credits that are issued. So we charge a fee for using our platform to automate the issuance of credits and a fee for transacting those credits and um, cr uh, creating the liquidity event around them. Um, so you, we mentioned a little bit sort of before about the theoretical nature of, um, you know, really the majority of projects out there. How far along are you? Have you actually out there with contracts or people using power ledger to power their homes right now to trade electricity are power companies in australia using this um, interacting with this how far along are you well perhaps the best way to, to answer that is to talk you through the projects and explain where they're, they're at so sure. 
we have a peer-to-peer trading trial in Fremantle here in Perth, and there are 40 people signed up to that. There's a second part to that, which is a, a grid-connected battery that's being installed next month. Six, uh, it's 670 kilowatt, uh, 700 kilowatt hours, and that will enable a virtual power plant trading environment as well. So not just trading electricity when the sun's shining, but 24 hours a day. That project goes until June this year, and we're in conversation about expanding that in terms of the amount of customers that will be involved in the geographical area because it's targeted on one suburb right now. Um, we also have a project in Japan working with Kepco, the largest privately owned utility there, supporting the creation of a virtual power plant in Osaka. Mm-hmm. And we gave them the key to the platform in November. And so they're just working through that now. Um, similarly, we did the same with American Power Network with their peer-to-peer trading uh, trial. Um, we gave them the keys of the platform in November last year, and so we're in that trial right now. In Thailand, we have our first commercial deployment, which is um, 670 kilowatts traded over six buildings. So it's apartment building, shopping centre, a school in the T77 precinct in Bangkok. And I mentioned that is scaling up by four more megawatts in quarter one this year and 12 more megawatts in quarter two. So we're starting to see the the trials and the commercial deployments scale up. Uh, in California, I mentioned the carbon credits project. We've got one asset currently on the platform, which is the second largest charging station in California. And um, we are in quarter one this year, adding several more assets to the platform for the issuance, supporting issuance of carbon credits. And the asset germination product is yet to be launched, but we have um, procured a a grid-connected battery and a commercial-scale solar system, which will be the first assets that are fractionalised and sold to market in 2019. So, you know, we're just just over two and a half years old and we've got a number of projects in uh, different countries. And I think 2019 is really about adding scale to um, these projects and the business. Um, Do you think that that this is the sort of the model of the future in terms of, you know, what you're going to see across the world? Do you think it's that big? Do you think it's going to be something that maybe, you know, some parts of the world adapt to (laughs) and others, others reject? That's a great question. Um, I also wrote about this in Forbes recently, and my view is that it may be developing countries that leapfrog to this technology faster, but ultimately I think that it will be used in um, in all markets. But, for example, in Thailand, the government's announced that, um, the, that peer-to-peer trading using consumers Um, will be allowed presently it's only allowed with commercial customers but they've now changed the regulations around that in india the state of delhi and the state of up have uh, announced just in recent weeks that peer-to-peer trading is allowed Um, it can already be done uh, in markets like australia but i think that there is more entropy in innovating uh, in these markets than we're, we're seeing elsewhere how about the but, U.S.? Um, Can you do it in the U.S.? Peer-to-peer? Yeah, in, yeah. in certain markets, yes, right. absolutely. Okay. So um, in Texas, for example, the ERCOT scheme allows it. And uh, there are various ways that it can be used in California in the carbon markets and energy markets as well. So 
Um, I think that there are very big opportunities for the U.S. and we we are really focused on um, the U.S. market. So a lot of projects, you know, when um, when the the markets went to sort of you know crypto uh, winter, so to speak, uh, a lot of projects basically lost their money and had no they have no capital. Um, tell us about your situation there. I mean, how much? Are you already, as a company, are you profitable? How did you manage to, you know, sort of weather the storm of of the uh, of crypto winter? Uh, great question. So we did our ICO in October of 2017, and we closed out a number of our positions before the market turned and uh, into fiat. And so we're, we're very well capitalized um, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, we're very we're very that we serendipitously um, managed our position like that. Right, right. The token itself uh, obviously is not as, so it's not really affecting you nearly as much from a project standpoint. Um, does the value of the token going up, does that increase your profitability or how does that work? No, it doesn't. There's not a relationship between that. Um, the It just means that the application hosts, i.e. customers, uh, require... Um, Less, they 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 will end up buying. If the price is low, they'll end up buying more power tokens. If the price is high, they'll buy less power tokens to meet their licensing requirements. Does that somehow sort of limit the 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 price uh, the upside of the token? Uh, no, I don't believe it does because um, if they um, if they buy power tokens at a low price and they are escrowed, that would constrain the supply and increase the price. So the next um, clients that purchase power tokens would buy them at a higher price and get less right. um, tokens as a result of that because of the higher price. So I think you know supply and demand economics would um, regulate the the market around them. Yeah, I just wondered if it at some point got too expensive to use, you know. Well, uh, I guess you know it would be a nice problem to have. But, <laughs> yeah, right. right. Uh, and uh, it might be that you know, you know, we're, you know, we're really looking into a crystal ball here. But you know, many of the blockchains that exist, the Ethereum blockchain, you know, has limits to scale, and there's sure. quite a lot of conversations going on around, you know, what beyond that when we do get to the scale problem. And I, I think that that there'll be solutions for that. There may be other blockchains, and there'll be interoperable trading that occurs between them. So you know, cross market trading. Right. Um, uh, and it might be that you know there's forking as well, so you never know what might happen in the future. Yeah, exactly. You could have a, a fake power ledger Satoshi uh, <laughs> guy or something. <laughs> Who knows? Well, Jim, I I do I appreciate all your time today. I know we are across uh, the globe there. I have no idea what time it is uh, in Perth, but uh, it's nine forty-five. Nine forty-five. So I appreciate all your time today. It's been great talking to you. How can we learn more? Uh, you can go to powerledger.io, um, check out my Forbes page or our Facebook group, and we also have a Telegram group as well. Fantastic. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me, Buck. Be right back. Want to buy Bitcoin with your IRA? Don't waste your time on expensive IRA custodians. A strategy called a QRP is as easy as writing a check. Find out how. Text 44222 and type QRP book. That's one word. 
and get a free book that explains everything. Again, that's 44222-QRP-BOOK, one word. It's the easiest way to make Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies part of your retirement. Now, welcome back to the show, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed that. I still, you know, I got to tell you, it's, it's still kind of complicated to me. I think they've got a good thing going on there. But I think part of my problem personally is I don't think I quite understand the grid and all the energy stuff very well. They're obviously very smart. They're obviously doing, um, you know, they've, they've got the attention of some good markets uh, and they were very smart with their money, money. So they're unlike a lot of these other projects out there. They are not undercapitalized because they were smart. They didn't get greedy. They pulled out into fiat and uh and and so they they you know they didn't lose all their money during crypto winter so definitely a project that i think i'm curious about and i think is uh, potentially one of these you know more quality altcoin um type projects to look into power ledger and uh hope hopefully you learned something i certainly did now uh we're not doing q and a these days cuz no one's asking any questions and well, shoot, I don't even know if anybody's really listening much anymore. <laughs> now, I know there's I know there's some of you for sure. Um, you know, we all, we always get the downloads whenever we put them out. But bottom line is, you know, it's not like it's a Bitcoin bull run days where like anybody talking about cryptocurrency, uh, you know, everybody would want to listen. But so we don't have questions, but a few things uh, just to catch you up on, um, you know, this whole thing with the crypto ETF. I said it before, I disagree with some of those uh, other folks out there like Tika Tawar who think that there's going to be an ETF this year. I think it's highly unlikely. I think the instability of the market, all the clowns that caused that, and um, really I think sort of uh, that, that all sort of eliminated any chance in my mind that there'll be a crypto ETF this year. Um, in fact, actually looking at the news uh, today, you know, there was this one person on the SEC uh, uh, named Hester Pierce who was uh, labeled crypto mom because she was the one who actually voted in favor for the, um, the Winklevoss uh, Bitcoin ETF. Uh, anyway, she herself is lowering expectations for people around her who think that a Bitcoin exchange traded fund is up for a vote in 2019, that there's going to be any action on that. Um, so that's just, you know, again, not unexpected in my view. I think we've still got uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of repair to do here. And I think, um, I think, you know, just, it's too early. I think I think probably, you know, maybe 2020, maybe. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully we're out of a uh, I'm not even entirely, you know, I used to be convinced that we were going to be out of the uh bear market in 2019. Now I'm not even convinced of that anymore. I think it could last. Um it could be something that could last for a while. Do I believe ultimately there will be another Bitcoin bull run? Yes, I absolutely do, but I just don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, another story that I thought was interesting that uh, just shows you sort of the immaturity of the market in general and why, you know, the big money still so scared of it is, you know, there's this uh, there's this cryptocurrency platform in Canada. It was called Quadriga CX, 
Um, anyway, this is a, um, it's a cryptocurrency exchange in Canada. And basically it was this guy, uh, running it and all of the private keys he had for this thing. He goes on this trip, uh, overseas. Uh, he dies overseas. The guy's in his thirties and he's the only one who knows, uh, the passwords to the cold wallet. And so, uh, something like $900 million in digital assets were lost. So, uh, again, it just goes to show we've got, you know, we've got some, um, uh, you know, some still we've got some time before I think things uh, become safer in people's mind. I will say that there is uh, some, um, you know, there's some positive news, too. There's some news about some pension funds um, and potentially taking the plunge in the, into uh, cryptocurrency. Morgan Creek Digital uh, is uh, apparently uh, per, per, apparently got the first investment uh, from a U.S. pension fund, uh, and there was two pension plans: Fairfax County, Virginia, uh, and then I don't remember, I don't know what the other one was, but anyway, that's kind of a big deal. I mean, having actual pension you know plans uh, start getting into crypto, I think, is pretty unique uh, and is probably a, a good sign. I don't know how it could be a bad sign. It's going to be bullish when that kind of money starts entering the market. Um, anyway, they went through uh, Morgan Creek Digital, of course. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not directly, it's not like they're going and buying Bitcoin, but it's all good news, but folks, it's going to take a while. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to be patient and again, try to identify interesting projects that actually have legs to them. Uh, Power Ledger's one. Uh, we will be talking about some other interesting projects in the next few weeks. Uh, but that's it for me this week on Consensus Network. Uh, make sure if you're interested, uh, go ahead and uh, check out consensusnetwork.io. There's some good educational information there, including a link to Cryptoversity, uh, which I think is a very useful platform if you really want to uh, dive deep into this world of cryptocurrency. Uh, again, that's it for me this week. This is Buck Joffrey signing off.